Epic Turn is a podcast about the hobby gaming industry, what we love or hate about it, how it's evolving and changing, and other things that as gamers we're passionate about. Your hosts are Brian McLemore and Tim Aldridge. Welcome as we take our next Epic Turn. What's up? I don't know. It's It's been quite a while. Uh, a couple weeks, right? Just, just a couple weeks. By a couple weeks, you mean almost three years? No, more like three and a half. Oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. No, no, Mist- but, the, but the most important thing is we're back. Yeah, I mean, mistakes were made, but here we are. Yep. We're, getting, we're, 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 we're starting up season two. Finally, after many, many moons, season two begins. Yeah. And I, wa- I actually wanted to kick that off because I think it's a great story to start us the podcast off. Okay. And I'm, what's I'm funny... I'm suddenly embarrassed, but go for it. No, no, so... Brian and I were flying to Gen Con together mm-hmm. and we were, we were sitting there and we were just kind of laughing because we were talking about, at the time we were talking about True Dungeon. Right. And then we started talking about CCGs, right? And then, <laughs> and then we started talking about just board games in general and there was that, there was that pause. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy crap, I think we did an episode without even realizing it. And admittedly, it wasn't the first time that that's happened to us. Like, I remember when we were driving around looking for a card shop to play at. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that when we were trying to find Shuffle and Cut. Uh-huh. Yeah, there was like 30, 45 minutes in a car where we were just talking about board games and card games. And it was uh, kind of a big throwback. Yeah, throwback. Yeah. Right. So I I think it's awesome that... So we're at Gen Con. And obviously, just a spoiler alert, that's what this episode's about. We're at Gen Con and we're sitting around. Where were we that night? Were we at Scotty's that night or were we at... Yeah, the, first night we were at Scotty's. Right, no, 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 I'm talking about when we, when we, agree, no, that was when we were at the, the pub with um, the guy from Catalyst Brent. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we're sitting across from each other, and it's like, okay, are we, are we doing this? Mm-hmm. We doing this. So, we came we, back. We looked at each other, it's like, have we had enough to say, yes, we're going to do this? I, I mean, I don't know if we're going to have enough to say. That will be up for our listeners who are yeah. no, no, already I, turning this podcast off, probably. I can't blame them. Now, I was just talking about how many adult beverages we may be, may or may not have had before we reached said decision. This is true. But the best part is we are back. And yes, we're going to talk about Gen Con. Um, we're going to go back in time. It, the difference is, is when we recorded the first ever Epic Turn uh, podcast episode about Gen Con. We were um, at Gen Con. We were at Gen Con and we did the crazy Wayne World style flashback and it just, that's how we did it. But the difference is, is this time we're not doing that. No, no. This time uh, we're recording now. What is it? Uh, September 14th. So about a month later. Yeah. Gen Con was about a month ago, uh, but we had to get our stuff in order as it were. Yes. New, new recording equipment, Mm -hmm. new times, everything that you can expect from us, which is hopefully not that much but <laughs> just come in with low expectation folks you, yes. you you'll be prepared anyway so let's kick it <laughs> off so so we, so we land the first night and for those who didn't know about uh the previous gen con this was gen con 50 it was a, a major milestone for the convention it is it was sold out completely which is abnormal yeah it was well, like the I'm first not. time in like 15 or 20 years it sold out and yeah. i i can tell you from being at the convention you could feel it. Well, yes and no. I was actually expecting there to be a lot more people. Like, I mean, there was tons, don't get me wrong, but I was expecting more, I guess, for it being the first sold-out Gen Con. 
I think one of the things that uh, kind of I, I observed anyway was that there was more space for the same for the people to fit into. Uh-huh. And when the numbers came out, the growth wasn't as much as people expected, I think. Or at least wasn't as much as I expected. Yeah, I think that might be because a lot of people went for all four days compared to, you know, like I might only go for a day or two. Right. You know, but it, I could tell from... Actually, l- let me let me think about that for a second. The will call line, this was the first year where I was not waiting for a long time, actually. Mm-hmm. It was surprisingly I did see, fast. And I did see the will call line on, the, on, on day one because, you know, you went on day zero. <laughs> yes, that is true. And I did see it on day one because I need to pick up my true dungeon tickets. Yeah. Um, I skipped it that morning and I f- figured I'd pick it up that afternoon because uh-huh. it, the line was like around the corner and down the hall that, on day one. Okay. Um, but by afternoon, it, I didn't have a line at all. I just was able to walk up and pick up my stuff. So I guess the question is, was it just more efficient or was it more spread out? I, I'm going to go with both. There was a lot of efficiency changes I saw. Like the will call mm-hmm. line went super fast compared to previous years or it felt faster because usually, you know, we're staying in that line for a good amount of time. But I remember entering the line and was out within like probably five minutes. Yeah, no, it's very possible that they did make things better in that regard. Um, I did notice too that like, you know, the numbers were actually up, I think about 6% um, or something like that, like four or 6%. So it was a pretty standard year growth wise, but they had actually capped attendance, which I guess they haven't done in previous years. Well, I mean, Uh, or or they haven't hit that cap, whatever it was. I don't think they've hit the cap. That's yeah. But like the vendor hall, I didn't go, disclaimer folks, I didn't go last year, right? So the vendor hall though apparently was significantly larger than it was the year before. And I know like my first couple of years at Gen Con, like half the vendor hall, what was this year's vendor hall, half of it used to be like the Magic the Gathering play area for the big tournaments and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it was definitely a much larger space, but it was way more than 6% bigger. <laughs> right. Agreed. 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 <laughs> and they got the whole, you know, uh, the whole Lucas field there for the whole Oilers stadium. Is it Oilers? I think it's yeah, Oilers. Uh, it's the Colt stadium, but Colt yeah, stadium, whatever. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not a sports person. Go figure. But they had the whole stadium. So you could actually walk out on the football field and play cards and stuff. Yeah. That was a big change this year. Cause before mm. that's where true dungeon ended up last year, which right. was a amazing change. I'm so happy they were able to do that because then, you know, it gave them a ton more space to work with. Yeah, no, for sure. The, uh, the whole true dungeon being underneath the stadium mm-hmm. was a great spot for it. I think it was convenient, but without being in the way and out of, it, it wasn't prime real estate, right. But it was, it was still convenient to get to when you had your runs Yeah, and they had plenty of space to work with. I think oh, they, yeah. they had more space than they needed this year. Maybe they'll fill it up next year. <laughs> but I, I guess the reason it didn't feel as crowded as I was expecting is I think they grew the physical area by more than they had max attendance. I mean, I guess from my side, the reason I say it felt like that is the yeah. between the halls I was yeah. in. So just so, so setting the setting the scene is I did L5R the first two days. Mm-hmm. T- Tim had a, a bit of a nostalgia uh, kick this year. 
that's that's entirely true but so i did that for the two days and i mean the the halls were packed like not the halls but the gaming area felt uh there was more to it or not the game (laughs) yeah the gaming halls where i was which was where most of the tournaments for all the card games were definitely for ffg and privateer press and all that and so it felt like there was a lot more foot traffic which was good the other thing that I, i i thoroughly enjoyed this year um compared to other years is i met more people that had never been to a gen con before ever or they went last year and then they brought a bunch of people that never had been so that was awesome to see i love mm-hmm. seeing you know people that have never done gen con before and this was the year to do it because this was the 50 so you know it's it's one of those memorable moments for both attendees and for the convention yeah no absolutely it was definitely a great show in every way i can think of um my i actually didn't game that much outside of true dungeon um well that's kind of true i mean you did a lot of demos which by definition is still gaming true i guess i when i'm thinking gaming when i say i didn't game a whole lot i didn't do tournaments i didn't sit down and do session you know ticketed sessions i didn't buy a single ticket outside of true dungeon yeah i don't yeah this is this is the first year where I went really hard into tournaments, um, except, well, that's not true. Last hmm. year I did the North American championship for conquest, but this is the first year where I went back to back like long tournaments. So, <laughs> which I, I have a whole thing about that, that I'll save for another episode um, about running a tournament. Yeah. We, that, that's a great topic. Cause um, we saw a lot of examples of things that could have been done more efficiently. That's true. Anyway, so so I kind of wanted to so to kind of go back. Uh, that way, we're not like just going down weird topics. As I kind of wanted to break down, you did a lot of gaming, like in the sense of you found a lot of games, and I wanted to talk about those because I saw some of them. We've now played some of them, mm-hmm. and we'll be saving those for when we do a review episode. But I kind of wanted you to break down, I guess, some of your favorites. Okay, so I spent basically anyway. all four days to some degree roaming the vendor hall. Uh, just so everybody knows, I didn't go to Gen Con the last couple of years. I've uh, had life get in the way. And so this was kind of a big makeup year for me. I had, you know, saved up and scrounged and stuff. And I really wanted to, to, to kind of get the games that I had missed over the last several years. So I started at the far end of the vendor hall and worked my way to the front, uh, you know, so I started on like row 30 or whatever it was and worked on my way to the zeros. And, um, that was interesting to me because while the prime real estate, I think is considered to be over on the, like the lower levels in the rows. Well, that is where like FFG. Yeah. I actually the found other. the other end of the hall to be way, way more interesting. There were just a lot of different types of games and you saw so many different new things. It was really uh, a lot of fun to see all these different things where you go over to the Piazza booth, you know exactly what you're going to see. It's a bunch of Pathfinder and the new Starfinder or whatever it is. And then you're going to see, you know, a ton of, uh, you go by, you know, FFG's booth, you know, basically the type of stuff you're going to see. That's what I was about to say is I Mm -hmm. was, when you look at the first 3000, right? That is the big dogs. I have to agree with you. Like the so right before the L five R tournament started, I actually ran into the vendor hall because I needed sleeves, and I ended up walking probably the first mm-hmm. two or three rows of the three thousands, and there were so many things. I was like, oh, I got to come back. I got to come back. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Tournament started. Tournament started. Got to go. Got to go. Got to go. Got to go. And that's really great to see. It's really awesome to see 
new games and new things. Now, given that even in the 3000 rows, you had like Wormwood and you had Pfizer games. But the good thing is, again, that 3000 row, there's always indies. And that's, yes, I agree that 3000s were amazing this year. Yeah, I, I actually, the further I got away from that far end of the hall, the less stuff caught my eye, the less I enjoyed myself. And I still saw some really good stuff, don't get me wrong, but it was more challenging to find things that really grabbed my attention. You know, so I started over there, like some of the things that really stood out to me. So I don't know if we ever talked about in the old, uh, in season one, but the, there was the old games from um, War Machine. Yeah, Privateer Press, there we go. So Privateer Press made uh, a couple of games in like this uh, survival science horror genre. Um, but they level seven, there was like, there was like another game in that same, in that same world, but it was a different style. It was like the, instead of group versus the board, it was a, uh, you know, one versus many, the GM style game. Right. Um, so they had a few of those, but I, and I, I like them from right. the thematic point of views, but actual gameplay was difficult and it was challenging to use the rule books and everything else, which we shouldn't talk too much about rule books because I think that literally is a whole episode. But, you know, the yes. there was one game I saw, and this was at the very back end of a row, probably one of the worst spots you could possibly be at. And it was almost all the way over. And I sat down and played the game for about an hour. I, you know, I'm having the name of the game is escaping me because I don't actually have a copy yet. So I actually have it pre-ordered because they weren't selling at the show. They were there demoing it and getting people to sign up for the like slacker backer from their Kickstarter, basically. I actually, you know, did that, and so I, I'm I'm going to get a copy. I can find it in my email what the name of the game is, but um, that game is another take at that level seven that the same genre level seven was in. And because as much fun as level seven was, it wasn't. I'm looking for a great game in that genre. I guess is what I'm looking for, and this is different. Some of the things I thought was really cool about it is like, you know, you can suffocate actually. So what, one of the things about it is you're, uh, you're basically in this, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily underwater or if it's out in space or what, uh, cause we didn't, I didn't do the setup and, but you're in this base and it's getting invaded by monsters and you have a, you're, everybody's in suits and you have oxygen as part of, as one of your stats and every action you take, you tick down the oxygen. Okay, I I'm already liking this. So it it, it creates a, a timer so it doesn't it doesn't encourage turtling essentially. It does encourage a very risk reward mechanic. Like you, you're gonna have to or you're like you're you're yeah, no there there is some of that for sure, right? Because you have to you have to basically meet a set of objectives before the timer runs out on the game. And the timer isn't the oxygen. The timer, or the oxygen is an additional mechanic. Mm. But so you have to do this. And the whole time you're playing it, like the base is getting consumed by like the, you know, it's, it's kind of like Cthulhu-esque type, you know, monsters. So like the, the base itself is flipping over tiles and becoming consumed. And as that happens, you're adding these negative effects to the locations and you're spawning additional monsters every round. And um, you have to work together as a group. And if even one person dies, you lose. Oh, wow. That's, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> one person dying is rough. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so even one person dying, you lose. So you all have to work together. And every, and every character has their own specialties, right? It's mm-hmm. so like there's the medic. And then there's, you know, the, the guys that are really good at, you know, 
kind of they're really fast but they aren't they can't hit strong and then you know there's the guys that can hit well but they aren't very fast and you have to coordinate all these different things and one of the things about that oxygen encounter is that there are these stationary rebreathers basically where you can go in and recharge your oxygen but doing so while it gives you full oxygen uh, back in your suit doing so will trip over all of the objectives that you're trying to hit oh no Oh, no. (laughs) Right. So you have to basically defend yourself, at least in the map, in the scenario we were playing. We had to first defend our our position. Mm -hmm. Then we had to kind of clear out from the center where where we started at and get everybody in position so that we could kind of tackle all the objectives at the same time and and really finish it in one turn. Interesting. Uh, yeah, because you had to, and there was this whole, we almost didn't win. It came down literally to the last person's actions before the, you know, the base was going to, you know, be consumed or blow up or whatever. It was, I, I never, it's pretty rare. I won't say never, but it's pretty rare to have that much kind of like an adrenaline rush as you're leading up to that final, final set of moments. It was really pretty cool. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. that's what you want. You want that either, oh, we made it or, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I, I like about um, Eldritch Horror a lot is that on some of the gods, it's literally a, we're coming down to the wire and it's really great compared to other games that are in that same genre where it just, if you don't have the right classes or you don't, or you didn't flip the right cards, the board just like, you know, railroads you essentially, like just steamrolls you all the way through and, or it's so easy that it's not even a challenge. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited that this one actually feels like it's going to always come down to the wire. Yeah, no, it, it really did, and the monsters were all pretty cool. The The build quality was really solid, even though this was, I think, still a pre-production unit. You know, so, it, like, they had the resin figures, and you could see the tentacles coming off the bad guys and stuff, and it was it was pretty good. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Yeah, <laughs> Already yeah, so, just by a description. Yeah, so I, I, think you'll, I, I think you will enjoy playing it uh, when it eventually gets here. Um, you know, it's, it's a really neat take at this horror survival genre. I'm hoping that it proves to be as fun and engaging when I get my hands on it uh, for real. But, you know, because that's always the risk with these type of things. The demo is set up just right, right? But then yep. everything the falls apart. Yeah. The only thing I could see, the one thing I'm kind of concerned about watching this game and playing this game is mm-hmm. I think it might suffer from a coacher's mentality. Oh, are you coacher, coaching or quarterbacking? Quarterbacking. Okay. Because, so, like, in this particular case, we were all sitting around the table playing out every possible scenario we could of the last like three turns, trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to meet the, to get everybody in the right positions to meet the last objective. I could see that going really badly in some groups where you had like the quarterback or other people who either weren't as engaged or, you know, didn't, or, you know, got pushed over or whatever. And I could see that being a problem for some groups. Well, I mean, but, you see the same thing in betrayal though. Yeah, yeah, you see the same thing in, in a lot of games, right? So that's yeah, the one co-op games. That's the one thing I can see as being a, a gotcha for this game is it, it could lend itself to quarterbacking, but I think the the flavor of it and it's like Cthulhu esque car in this, hmm. you know, base survival where the base itself is being corrupted as it, as you go and it's just really cool. Um and the the survival mechanics are really brutal like because and there is risk and reward for sure though because you have your health pool right, uh-huh. and, but when you you can keep ticking down oxygen and when you hit zero oxygen you're you don't have to you don't die immediately, you can keep uh-huh. taking actions after zero oxygen but you have to start rolling to see if basically you start suffocating. Oh no! 
Yeah, because basically it's the, the, the thematically you're holding your breath or, you know, you're taking shallow breaths or something because you're basically out of oxygen. And you can keep ticking down a few extra ter- a few extra actions, but every action you're you're rolling dice to see if you uh, see if you took damage. You suffocate, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if or if you overexert yourself or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. There's also one. this whole mechanic about like um, like how guilty of a conscience you have and how in, in madness. Okay. So, <laughs> um, like you can you you get X number of actions. I can't remember exactly, but you have this whole thing where you end up to like take an extra action you can assume a little bit of um, madness or whatever it's called i can't remember the exact the exact names but then if you kill something while you have that on you you end up it ends up turning it ends up going bad for you but if you kill something without that on you uh you can um you actually get like a bonus for having a clean conscience when you killed something oh interesting yeah huh. but so if you have this, if you have this not clean conscience when you kill something, it, it like stuff be bad, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and like you get these basically debuffs that kind of start stacking on you, or these bad effects that happen to you as because well you overextended, you had this guilty conscience because well you killed something and you feel like you did something wrong and now it's affecting your psyche kind of thing it is at least the thematic flavor of it and interesting. Bats- yeah, so it's it's really neat, really neat. And there's items to collect and gather, and you know weapons and stuff, and mm-hmm. you know ranged or melee combat, and you know all the all the monsters act on like this set of rules, and then the turn order changes every round, so that you know not the first person playing isn't always the first person playing. So yeah, I'm I'm really enthused about that one. That was definitely one of my favorite games I saw. Nice. Yeah, you know, I think all three of my favorite games that I saw while I was there are actually ones I don't have yet. Well, there was, I know there was Batman. You were really impressed with Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Batman, one, I was, Batman, uh, Batman is one of those three. Yep. Yep. And then this one. And then I don't know what the third one is. So again, I'm going to feel really bad here because I cannot remember the name, even though I can see the logo in my head, but I'll find it for the show notes. Uh, <laughs> I'm failing at this, aren't I, man? Good job. Yeah. So this one is from a company that they make a RPG. That was the, the RPG is their first product, right? And they have this where you, the whole RPG is centered around, you know, being in the, the real world kind of thing, except, you know, you have kind of your, your spirit um, manifestation that you can do. So you can channel your animus and uh, you, you can like be, basically become a superhero by channeling that. And um, this, is another, this is another one of those attempts at trying to distill RPG style mechanics and rules down into a, a tabletop game. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, we so, got a couple of those coming out this year and next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And so that's what these guys have done is they've tried to take their pen and paper RPG and distill it down to a board game. And this was another one of the games that I really had a lot of fun playing because the flavor of it was really solid and everything else. But you know, it's again. Hmm, now I think about it again, it's kind of almost uh, not. It wasn't Cthulhu, but it was kind of the whole the whole bad guy premise is like there's these bad dreams kind of thing. I right. think I know what you're talking about. Isn't that Odamai, the the dream that, RPG? Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, you're you're not saying the name quite right, but you're pretty close. Odama or Odom or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It is so, Odom. Yeah, it's oh, Odom. I I I knew it. Of dreams and magic, Odom. That's it. The, that it, is the it, RPG. That is the RPG. So they have a tabletop version. Yeah, I think that's the shared dream. 
Oh, I don't yeah, know. it's it's uh, with beautiful managers and Im's, yeah, that yeah, the Shattered Dream mm-hmm. is their um, tabletop version, right? So they have that, and so I was playing this guy, and it was kind of interesting too because uh, at least for the character I had, my animus wasn't distinctly better than my normal character in every way, and it was actually that that was actually true for several of the people that were playing the demo, and by that what I mean is like. Mm-hmm. Because there's there's multiple stats, and I can't remember exactly what all four were, but right. um, you know, it, when I was in my human form, I was better with two of the stats, you know. But when I was in my anima form, those two stats dropped, and the other two mm-hmm. stats went up. And so, at least in my case, and I think two, at least one of the other cases of the players, you know, we kind of had to figure out if we wanted to be the animus or not, oh, based on okay. what what kind of challenges we were going to go to. Hmm. Um, where like, the, but somebody else has like got basically a minor buff on all of their stats by going to their animus form. Huh. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Also, like the animus has a different health pool than you. So if you're if you're damaged, you can channel and you you're at full health or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you well, know, I mean, you have the, to, the the whole concept is is you're in your you're in your dreams, right? Like that's the whole point is your dream kinda. jumping essentially. No, it's it's not. It, that may be part of like at least the pen and paper, but at least in the board game, you know, you were walking. It, it took it took turn or the game progressed over a series of days, right? Mm. And so each day you would go through your go through your thing, and then at night, kind of like the bad, the big bad influences throughout the town uh, would would have their turn, right? And so they would flip over their cards, they flip over their events, and then they would spawn monsters or stuff and. Um, there was also a chance that if you had like, I forget exactly what the stat's called, but it, they had, they had a stat that as you channeled more of your stuff, you collected it and then you would have to roll against that. And that had a chance of like a big bad popping, uh, not, not the big bad, but like mm. a bigger bad than the, than okay. the grunts. And those guys were brutal. We had one of those guys pop and all of a sudden, like all hell broke loose and it was nearly game over. <laughs> um, so oh, no. Yeah, so I think that one has a lot of potential as being like a maybe a you know for people who aren't into the commitment of doing like a full campaign for a pen and paper RPG, like each game of this is going to feel like a mini campaign, and I think that has some some potential to be really appealing to some groups. I, it seemed really cool to me. Um, again, this was one of those hey, we have these things to demo, but we don't have it to sell. You can you know do the kickstarting like slacker backer thing again, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, they actually closed their, their backer kit, I think, two days after the con or something. Um, so it's uh, it's hopefully going to be here in the next few months, but I don't know exact timelines. That's That was one of my top three games that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. And you, you said it already. It's Batman is the third one. Well, yeah. Batman looked very interesting just because it was a many-verse-all, like, you have the person that plays like the villain and mm-hmm. then you have Batman and co yep. saving them. So oh, not saving them, but defending Gotham, which right. when I walked by, there was, this was way before, this is way before you told me about it. I ended up walking <laughs> over and just watching for a few minutes before um, a true dungeon run. And it was Bane versus Batman, Catwoman. Uh, I think Robin, no, it wasn't was Robin. Robin? Uh, at least not in the game I played, it was Batman, uh, Catwoman. There was the I, 
I'm not super versed on DC superheroes, but it was the one of the guys with the guns that was kind of like an anti-hero. Red Hood. That's it, Red Hood. Yeah, so he was he was there, and I think it was just the three of us versus Bane and yeah. all of his goons. Maybe that's what I was. Maybe it was Red Hood, but the point was, it was amazing to watch because it was from what I could see, and you're gonna have mm-hmm. to correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like there was a lot of challenge for both parties. Yeah, like Bane had all the neat little tricks and he could do a lot, but it wasn't a one-sided fight. It was definitely like both sides felt like they were doing something during gameplay instead of like, and most of us, I was like, oh, I'm the GM. I do all the things that make, you know, that screw with the party. And then you have the other players like, okay, either we have to band together or we don't have to, either we band together or we lose. And it didn't feel like that from watching. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely kind of interesting. So to give a little bit more context on how the gameplay goes, uh, if you've ever played the Conan game, which I haven't now, but I haven't had a chance to play yet, but the Conan game is kind of, it's from the same company, and it's a, uh, a V1 pass on the system that, that's used in, uh, in Batman. Um, so Batman is uh, a refined version of that system is the way they described it. So everyone has their stat cards and everything, and then you know, you have all these different actions you can take and it's really at, at its core, it's a resource management game. It really is. There are dice and I, I, I laughed really hard because the, so the game designer stopped by, right? He's, and it's a French company, at least the game designer was French. I think it's a European game design company. Sure. Uh, Monolith, I believe is their name. And okay. so they, uh, the game designer described described this system, this whole system, and and both you know, Batman and Conan as uh, you know resource management meets Ameritrash. Okay, <laughs> I mean, oh, okay. I, I mean, I could see that in the because co- I played Conan at least the first edition. Right. I could see that. I, I if they've just done a an iteration on the Conan rules, then I don't know what V two plays like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I only know from the demo, right? I haven't played the first one, so I don't know what differences there are to tell you. Right. But the, you know, the the resource management comes in the form of all your, you know, health and crystals and actions and stuff because it's all kind of the same pool, at least for right. the heroes. You, you know, yeah. you have you have so many of those, and as you take actions, you have to kind of allocate them. And when you take damage, they go to they they become exhausted, and you have to basically spend turns recycling them up throughout the pool. And so there definitely is a heavy, heavy resource management component Interesting. Uh, into how you play. And the villain yeah. actually works very similarly because, but his resource management is a little bit different. He has a, a pools, but, and then he has a, a list of kind of like, he has a bunch of goons that he can, that, that are out on the board. Right. And to activate those goons, he has to spit, he has to exhaust some of his crystals for the turn. But as he exhausts a given goon, it gets pushed to the end of the queue and becomes the most expensive goon to activate again. Okay. Yeah. So this, it, it is very similar to yeah. V1. So. Yeah. It's very, very similar, very similar. Um, so they have the whole thing in there where you have to really get in there and be careful both as the bil- villains and the bat and the good guys to try to not activate just the most powerful units every time for the bad guy. And for you, it's like, well, I can't do too much or I won't be able to do anything next turn. And I basically have to sit out a turn. And the scenario, and it's all scenario based. So you have objectives on both sides and whatnot. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. So it's it is still similar. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't wait to try it. Like I watched, the miniatures looked really gorgeous. The scenery that they built really good, and I was like, oh my god, that yeah. is. I want to play this, and then I didn't get to play it. 
and again, this was a pre-production copy, right? It's not. It's. I know. I know. This one is going to go to Kickstarter in February. Ooh. Um, yeah. So, so it's, we'll be we'll be giving a shout out to them once it goes live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, for sure. And um, it's looks really really cool. Uh, I think I think it's gonna be a lot of fun to play. But it was funny. Like it's so much a similar system that some of the game components that they had for like the bad guys, the whole tray was just the Conan tray with like a Bane thing stuck in it. Hey, that's fine. <laughs> I'm okay so, with those. Yeah, that, that's how they prototyped some of the stuff was they literally took Conan mm-hmm. components and stuck stickers on them and whatnot. And yeah, that's cool. fine. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, it, that's awesome. It's, it still played great. And you know one of the things that tells me this was a great game? I lost. Like the good guy, I was playing Batman, you know, and, and us as the good guys, we lost. I had that's, a blast losing. You're not supposed to lose as Batman, though. I lost. The, the scenario was pretty tough because it was Bane was trying to blow up the supports underneath a hospital was the mm-hmm. scenario and so if there was one armed bomb um, at at a certain like at an end point kind of thing if there was one armed bomb left oh no Bane won and uh, we were one we were like just two or three dice away from making it happen I think we were literally one dice short or one one, no, one success on a dice roll short of, of winning. Wow. That is yeah. that is a good game then. Yeah. Well, you're, we're assuming that that is how all the games are going to go. Right, yeah. I mean, if I don't really care if I win or lose in a game. I just want to have a good experience and really be able to, you know, have something fun out of it. Well, know? yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole definition of why we do this, right? Like, the whole point is fun. Yeah. But if you're not having fun while doing it, then why are you playing yeah, and like we talked about in season one, you know, fun is not running away with a victory. No, fun I is agree. fun is going back and forth and like saying like I don't care if I want to lose, man. That was a good game, right? And so I had that experience with Batman. I'm gonna be backing it probably for an absurd amount of money, whatever they want. They got it. Just take my money, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I can't say anything. That's what I do with Monty Cook. Monty yeah, Cook exactly. I mean, I had that that level of fun with it. And it was all about just because it was such a tight race. And I'll be honest, I was worried playing at the beginning of the game because I felt like we were running away with it as the good guys. I thought we were, you know, we we were swiping the board with all the bad guys. We had sweeped out so many of them. You know, I didn't think Bane had a chance to win at all. And it came down to the wire. He came back and he kicked our butt, you know? So it's. I mean, that's that's a good game then. Yeah. Yes, like yeah, exactly. I, will, I will. I will have to. I have to check out the Kickstarter. Just for me, it was the models. Mm-hmm. Like, that is what drew me in. I mean, it's Batman, but the models, at least that they had in the display case, drew me in immediately. So, if it's the same quality, then I'm in. I, I think it'll. I, I I have no doubt it will be. And I've I've actually picked up a copy of Conan since coming back home, and I'm looking forward to playing it at some point in the hopefully near future. Um, I think that'll be a lot of fun. As Brian reads the rules over and over again. The, saying, that, one day, one day. That is one thing that concerns me. Um, there are two rule books for Conan. Yep. Um, the Overlord rule book is 45 pages long. Correct. And the, uh, the player rule book is another like 30-ish pages long. So well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, am, I am slightly concerned. I haven't actually read through it yet. I'm hoping it's a good one. I'm hoping it's a good one. Please be a good one. <laughs> So that so was there any other games? So that was your top three. Was there yeah. was there anything else that just made you go, all right, all right, this this was good, this was great. 
Yeah, um, definitely are some other really good picks, I think, uh, from Gen Con. Um, some of them I have concerns about being long-term good, but they were definitely mm-hmm. unique in some ways so that I, I, I picked them up. Okay. Um, you know, and, and we've actually played some of them. Okay, which ones? Okay, so one of the ones that comes to my mind in, in this genre, uh, or in this, in this category, I should say not genre, but in this category, um, is Too Many Bones. Oh, too many bones! I I want to do a whole episode dedicated to too many bones. And I think I think we would have to to really give it justice, right? Because it's a sure. really in depth game. It's another one of those games that falls in the category of uh, trying to take an RPG style rules and distilling them down into a tabletop game that you should play in an hour or two. Uh, unfortunately, we spent seven hours playing our first game, or six hours, something like that. And the the problem was to some extent the rule book because it wasn't super clear in certain ways. And I don't know if we overthought it or if I misread stuff, but yeah, it definitely needed some more clarification at times. Um, But I do think it has a lot of potential and I want to try it again to see if we can get it down in the 90 minutes that it's promised to be. Well, the one thing I will say about chip theory games, which is the people who make too many bones is I like the concept that they, all their stuff is poker chips, kind of like how Looney games, it's either cards, crystal, like little small plastic pyramids. And I forgot Mm -hmm. the third, like those are, that's like, those are his materials. Right. Right. And and in terms of chip theory games, all theirs is based around poker chips. Yeah. And and poker as whole. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I always I thought that was a very interesting thing mm-hmm. about that, about all their setup at Gen Con, and also they had a killer booth. So yeah, and too many bones. Like I really like the build quality of the materials; they're all phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, the cards I really like, but I'm kind of questioning if it was really the proper material choice because they're they're not standard cardstock; they're actually poker cardstock. Yeah, they're they're plastic poker cardstock, which is. If I was playing poker, that's what I'd want, right? But I, without a felt table, it felt a little weird to try to handle those on the on the gaming surface. So um, I, I do wonder, this is one of those games that falls in. It's like, I really love the concept. I really love the flavor of it. And I really love the materials. But I wonder if it's going to survive brushes with reality to some degree, right? So, um, so that was one that was in that category. I can keep going if you want. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll give you one more. One more. One more. One more. So that we, we hit a five. Hmm. Okay, so the other game that I really liked playing, uh, I played actually a whole game of this at the, at the table um, at, at Gen Con, and I really enjoyed it, is Eschaton. So how do you feel about being cult leader? I mean, you know, sometimes you got to run a cult. And how do you... F- how do you feel about the dark, you know, the dark god destroying the world? I mean, if I'm a cult leader, I should be okay with it. Yeah. And how do you feel about trying to vie for his favor so that you can, um, you know, survive the apocalypse, basically, and be exalted as his right hand in the afterworld? I mean, it seems good. Yeah. And so that's the premise of Eschaton. Right. Yeah. This was the one that's kind of like a weird myth. It has a mix between deck builder and risk, right? Yeah, so it's it's deck builder a la Dominion, where you have a bunch of pre-established stacks of of, of uh, cult. They're all cultists, right? That you're recruiting, and so there's a bunch of those, and then there's a few powers, basically re, re, recastable spells that you can do, or some of them are even spells. They're just effects. So, and that's a thing, uh, and those are all things, right? So you have that. Um, then you also have a area control mechanic, very similar at least as a distilled version of risk. Um, 
so you know that's the base mechanics in the base game and they're actually just finishing or about to finish i think maybe just finished i can't remember exactly their kickstarter for the first expansion and that's the game i played at gen con i didn't wasn't really sure what parts were the expansion versus not but we played with a preview copy of the expansion Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, you bought a copy and you played recently with it, so it should give you some indication. Yeah, yeah. Now I know. Now I know. I didn't know at the time. Um, so the things that expansion are adding are actually some really cool thematic elements like specialties for your cult, right? So you can, not only are you a cult leader, but you're the leader of the plague bearers, right? And so you're you're trying to cast plagues, and if you can do that enough, then you unlock more powerful people to put in your deck, and you have... Um, in addition, you also have like the ability to unlock immunity to plagues, which could be really broken because plagues are brutal <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. So, it, yeah. And so that was like one of like the six or seven different flavors of things. And, you know, they, they, it adds a, a, good, a good depth to it is what I discovered by playing the game without it, that the ability to do those things actually really matter. And it really does make a big difference. So I, I, I think the expansion is going to be really good to make the game, to make the game like um, significantly better than the base game is. Oh, nice! It also had like an NPC faction, which I thought was really cool. And so, Rando Calrissian strikes again. Uh, no. So, okay. So the the whole game, the length of the game is determined by the um, the event deck, and inside the event deck is the omens of the apocalypse, and then at the end, Armageddon. Right, and it's it's quasi randomed. You know, so that you you know that there are omens coming and then the apocalypse. But you don't know exactly when any of it's happening. Darn, I was hoping for rando. Yeah, well, so the thing is, is in that event deck, you, uh, at least with the expansion, the uh, Crusaders will show up. And the Crusaders are a NPC faction that are out to try to stop the apocalypse. And they, they, they will never win, but they can really make your life hell. Always, always with Crusades. They always got to come in. They got to mess up your cult. They mm-hmm. have to try to save the members from you. It's, yeah, I understand. It's, yeah. Well, uh, admittedly, they don't so much save as eliminate, but yeah, pretty much. Uh, right, save. <laughs> I, yeah, I, save. I stick by what I said. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're saving you from doing any more bad doing, right? So, you right. Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. Don't worry. We can sophistry this out. Um, so, the NPC faction was really cool. The specialties and the extra avatars and stuff was really cool. I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on the expansion and trying again. Um, I, I will be honest, this was another game that did suffer a little bit from, uh, from weak rules. They needed a little more explanation about how to build the event deck and stuff like that. So, th- I think the second game would be a lot more fun because I wouldn't make some of the same mistakes I made the first game. Because you can control the length of the game by basically controlling the event deck. But we had six people playing. And originally, I had like the entire event deck in there just about. And it was going to take two days to play. And <laughs> that's just not cool. Yeah, no, that's not that's not okay. Yeah, so we could definitely have done better with it. Uh, and I think we would next time we play. You weren't there for that game day. So. No, I wasn't there. But that, so, the, I mean, that was the vendor hall. The vendor hall this year was really nuts in a good way. It seemed like there was a lot of really mm-hmm. good games. I think between the two of us, we each walked away with a completely different set of stuff. You were very mm-hmm. much board game heavy. I was very much RPG and card game heavy just because L5R was um, <laughs> kind of... <laughs> taking over my two days of Gen Con, my first two. Um, and now, yeah, I think I think it, I think it rekindled something in you. It might have, maybe, possibly. 
And I mean, that was very interesting. <laughs> FFG, um, putting the, the efficiency of the tournament aside, mm-hmm. they did do some really neat things for the, the rebirth of L5R. I mean, the opening scene, they actually had people marching in with drums and full samurai armor. And there was, you know, the typical bonsai. So FFG did a good job with it. It was great to see um, one of my old favorite card games coming back. I mean, the only thing better would be if FFG got somehow to cipher Star Wars and remade it real quick. And by remake it, I mean just... Yeah, they, they don't need to change it, any, anything. Yeah. Just, just print just reprint it. it. Reprint it, we'll buy it. You can turn it into an LCG mm-hmm. in the sense of that's fine. That's okay with me. Whatever. Yeah. yeah just, let me buy play sets of cards. I'm fine. Just, just, just print yeah. it. But uh, that was very interesting. Um, I love the new voting system. Trust me, I, I probably will want to call for an episode of L5R and how they're approaching the organized play. But okay. I don't want to spend too much time on that. I will just say I love the the new concept of voting and how deck building works. But I will, I will, I will not take up too much time with that <laughs> uh, well no i i would love to do that episode i would rather do it after i've had a chance to play i have pre-ordered hopefully you know that shows up in october when it's supposed yep, to it's supposed to be and we can play first two weeks october 13th yeah the release date yeah so um we can totally do an episode just let's i'd like to play oh first. yeah absolutely I, I i guess what i wanted to talk about was more of like the organized play and what, how they're approaching it um from the lore yeah but i won't know i won't really understand anything you're talking about until i <laughs> that's played. true that's true um, <laughs> i mean i will i will get in the, and and all of our listeners who have never played before are going to be confused and lost and at least i can try to help that <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will put that aside. However, it was really good to walk around and see. It wasn't just L5R. There's um, there's a wrestling card game now um, that's really has gotten that has hmm. picked up. Uh, it's, I think it's called Ultimate Showdown. That's really picked up in popularity. I mean, uh, last year they had a small booth in the vendor hall and a decent size little tournament space. This year they had a huge one with the demo stations right around it. It was really cool. Like uh, while we were playing L5R, you would hear. So whenever they're in like title matches, they, you know, if it was coming down to like final four or whatever, um, or top four, I mean, and there was a one on one. Mm -hmm. And whenever they got to the point of like a title match and uh, there was the the countdown because you flip cards whenever you're going for a pin. And if you don't hit the maneuver that you need to to essentially, you know, shoulder out or uh, be able to get out of the pin. Uh, they ring the bell and it's over. So you could hear them as we were playing one, two, three, ding, 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 ding. Like I was like, oh my God, they actually went with it. That's amazing. Uh, so it was, it was interesting. <laughs> the There was other really cool things. Um, there was the, the gigantic table of... Uh, Game of Thrones, where the guy built mm-hmm. out the FFG board game in its entirety, but built out full models. And yeah, that was, I, I, I may or may not have stopped for a minute and just watched. And I wasn't watching the players play the game. I was watching mm-hmm. the you, just, you just want to look at all this stuff. Yeah, because it, it's pretty interesting because he built out the full thing. Of course, the pods were there. Uh, they actually had a new set of pods, which was nice. For those who don't know, those are the MechWarrior pods. Um, if you never played MechWarrior uh, back in the day, it's a fantastic game. Um, in this case, you strap yourself into a pod. You have a bunch of monitors everywhere. And it's like being in the cockpit of a mech. Yeah, so it was good to see those guys again. Uh, I'm always a big fan of uh, stopping by and uh, piloting real quick. You know, it's like, oh, yay, it gets my fix until um, until we get a new MechWarrior game. That's cool. That was good. Um yeah, there was another card game that was at Gen Con that I didn't see there that I've picked up since then and I'm waiting to show up. 
Uh, it's called Megacorp. Did you see that no, one? No, I didn't see that one. I saw, um, I think I saw like a starter set at ARG's uh, booth, but I didn't mm-hmm. see a booth dedicated just to it. Uh, they were apparently there. That's that's what I that's what I heard. But uh, they are it, they claim to be the first TCG. So it's a, it's a TCG, the first TCG to come out of South Asia. Oh, okay. And so I'm uh, I'm intrigued. And it, it feels kind of, it, you know, obviously we have Netrunner as an LCG now, right? But it feels kind of like in that genre about megacorps in the, in the semi-distant or semi-near, whatever, future uh, fighting it out. And you have this, it has an interesting like area control mechanic where you can't like, you, you, you have to have somebody protecting your headquarters hmm. by, at the end of each round or you lose and, and there's different ways to win and whatnot. There's different, you have a bunch of different corps and leaders kind of fighting it out. Interesting. Um, so is it L5R, not L5R, sorry, is it Netrunner-esque or? It seems like it's a, at least in the, maybe not in the decking side of Netrunner. Mm-hmm. But in the whole mega corpse fighting it out from a financial and espionagic huh. type of sense, so, so here's kind so of here's the most important question. Uh-huh. Did you pick up starter decks? I picked up enough for us both to have a set. Okay, cool. All right, we will. Yeah, <laughs> ask us to table this until I get my hands on it. Yeah, yeah, I, I want to try it out. That's all. I, that's all I really know. I, I wanted to try Sweet. it out, and we ought to do this. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't want to keep our episode running too long. But there is one, two, two things I have left to talk about. Hmm. Two. First, two? yes, two for Gen Con. I'm going to go with the second one first. True Dungeon. That was a thing. It was a thing. It was four runs of thing. It was four amazing runs of things. Well, mostly, mostly amazing runs. I just want to say that this was so. So the listeners know Brian's admitted he's been gone for many moons of uh, not doing true dungeon runs, but um, the the team has continued on without him. And this is the f- yeah. They, they, now and they don't know about your name or the team or our name. Uh, yeah, yeah. We are team ethical wizardry, but not the. <laughs> <laughs> Not the point of this episode. We'll interview the team later. Um, okay. But I will say that this, compared to the previous years, which I'm not saying that the previous years were bad by any stretch. I love fighting the giant beholder. Mm-hmm. I've loved a lot of the puzzles. This year blew me away. And in the five years now of running, like there was neat stuff. Like a lot of the tech was neat um, in previous years between like the Draco Lich or like I said, the giant beholder. You weren't there for that. Or the one where you mm. had the, the desert and you had to, you know, you had to dig the runes out and slice your hand open with a fake knife. It didn't really slice your hand open. Please, God, don't think that's what you do at True Dungeon. Um, it's, it's not that kind it's of dungeon. That kind of dungeon. Uh, so, I mean, those were all really neat things and really kind of cool things. This year, I was impressed with not only the GMs we got because they role played very well especially for again we're not going to give spoilers they haven't posted it because they have two more cons they're taking this too but the fey <laughs> in the first one was so well done yeah. i was super uh, impressed honestly, we had some great actors in both runs like the guy that was leaning against the big chest oh yeah oh you know well, yeah i mean yeah Bast, yeah yeah, he was. Yeah, he's playing Bass, which so I guess it's not worth it's not worth hiding because it's public yep. knowledge, right? These both these runs were based off of uh, Dreyfus's Dreyfus, Rothfuss. right? Uh, Rothfuss, Rothfuss, yeah, too many Patrick names. Yeah, books, so, yes. right. Which I after running the runs and seeing some of the other stuff about it, I'm actually going to go pick them up and read them soon. You really should because uh, it, it it looks really cool, but yeah, and the flavor that that gave the run, I think, was just really cool. Yeah, it was. 
it was phenomenal, especially one. Now, this is a point of contention, and I'm going to wait until we do because I want to bring in, you know, some of our, our teammates to do a recording. I will say that the combat, the, the, the twist on combat this year was interesting, and mm-hmm. I liked it. I just wish that we did not know about it after we had completed the run. Oh, you're talking about some of the like the, the, tricks. the shortcuts yeah. and stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah, the tricks, yes, yes, the tricks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Um, the one thing that was kind of, especially with us running two runs of each yeah. this year, it was kind of like we had to stop some of the GMs saying, like, no, 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 don't spoil it for us. We're going to be back here tomorrow. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, however, the so that was the face side, and I thought we had some really good, like I said, there, there were some good puzzles, um, especially that first puzzle. That first puzzle was fun uh, for all of us yeah. who like to role play. Um, however, the, my, it did take me two runs to figure out the secret <laughs> to figure out what the actual puzzle That's was. That's true. It's, it's okay. <laughs> uh, however, the, the other side where you are actually in the town with Bass and where Kavoth is, uh, or Kavoth, however mm-hmm. you want to pronounce it, that is probably my favorite thing about Gen, Gen Con this year. Oh yeah. No, the, uh, the way that one felt was amazing. Yeah. So I will say, um, to the true dungeon people, cause I will link you this episode and hopefully you'll listen to this. Thank you for a very memorable adventure this year it was amazing yeah i, I can't wait till next year I, i've gone all in i'm gonna practice new songs because I'm, I'm apparently playing the bard going forward you are the team bard i'm so sorry for you i know um but yeah so that was so that so true dungeon this year was really amazing um actually the everything i mean there was not a there was not a a moment of where i went oh man not this again so that was really good. What I mean by that is like, uh, like during the true dungeon, like, oh god, we're doing this puzzle again, or great, we have to deal with this headache. The only thing is, is that our team needs to be better about combat and not talk so much. But <laughs> 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 um, that, hey, I'll, actually, my whole thing I do during combat is talking. Thank well, you. that's different, though. You kind know of. what I mean. Um, but true dungeon <laughs> was awesome. I had a really good time. Uh, the the con. So I mean, what I thought was really good. The other part that I thought was really good was this, the amount of love there was, if that makes sense. Like whenever, like when we went to that little restaurant, that little pizza place and the, Mm -hmm. you know, the, our, our waiter slash bartender was like very hyped with us. Like, I love that. And, you know, he even admitted he wasn't a board gamer, but he loved talking to the people going to Gen Con because he loved seeing that like kind of hype. So, and that, you know, everywhere we went, there was like that. And, it's one reason I I still love going to Gen Con is because everybody in that town is very hyped for it. Yeah, okay, it brings in a lot of money, yes. But it I think the people enjoy talking to people going to Gen Con because it always seems like it's at least that's been my experience, especially this year. No, I, I can I can agree with that because you know, I th- I think in some years in the past I've had kind of like a, a brush experience with with a couple of locals. Mm-hmm. Um this year it didn't have that. It was just, it was very cool. I mean, everybody, that was really awesome. Uh, that pizza was amazing. Pizza was really good. Yeah. yeah. We can't tell them where to go, though, because then people are going to start going there, and we don't want that. <laughs> it's not that. We just want to be able to eat dinner one day a week. Um, <laughs> exactly. But the, the, most important, the most important thing, I think, from all this is that, and that's, this is the, the, the last topic, is are you ready for next year? I cannot wait. Um, I, I've already let you know managers know that I will not be here that week, <laughs> and um, you know I, I've reserved my hotel. I've you know wait, already waiting to buy tickets. So yeah, I can't wait. All right, that's that's what I like to hear. 
And unfortunately, like I said, I don't want to run us out of time because I know what's going to happen is we can sit here for another 45 minutes talking about like all the details and a lot of that can we need to find episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, we, we've got three or so years of uh, catch up to, to talk about. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think we're going to end it here, everybody. Thanks for joining us and listening to us ramble on about Gen Con. I will tell you, though, going forward, I'm not saying we're going to have some structure, but we do have topics that we want to cover, reviews we want to do, interviews that must be done. Yeah, no, for sure. And and who knows, maybe we'll get organized one day. But seriously, thanks for thanks for t- tuning back in. Thanks a lot for listening to us, guys. And you know, please just like, subscribe, do whatever you want. F- you know, put us in your favorite podcatcher of choice. Uh, we hope to have you guys back you know at least once a week going forward so and always you can follow us at epic turn you can also follow me at telshin yeah and uh, i'm i think i'm still at kilton on twitter um, uh, am i yeah. okay yeah and you can you yeah. can follow us along for all our board game shenanigans and until next time hope you guys have a great uh, uh you know great gaming and um, join us for another epic turn bye i want to hear your passion I want to hear your passion, Tim. (laughs) That was kind of sad.